Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. I am excited to be here this morning. I really appreciate the songs we just sang. City of light, there's a city of light mid the stars we are told. And uh, the very first song that we sang is I'm looking for a city built of God. And the, the verse that was up there, it says, he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. And that's the text this morning. So appreciate those songs. <clears throat> so this morning, I have a message uh, that I have entitled Strangers and Pilgrims. You may have seen in the bulletin there. And uh, so I, uh, interesting, uh, in, the, in, the, in the devotional this morning, Mike uh, read, for, read from Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, appreciate that thought there as well. So what comes to your mind when you think of strangers and pilgrims? I, uh, last, last Sunday, we heard a message, uh, Brother Lester, on vision and maintaining a vision. And uh, he encouraged us to press on. And the things in this world that we experience are temporary. And um, if I could uh, pick up maybe a little bit where he left off, you might say. Um, and, but anyway, before I get into that, we were not here last Sunday. We were camping as a family, made some camping, did some camping, and uh, it was raining on Sunday morning. And so it's just a pleasant time when you can go camping and it's raining and everything is sloppy and messy and the children are in and out, dragging dirt in. And, but anyway, I was, it was uh, a good thing we could watch, watch the... Uh, the service there, thanks to the live stream. And uh, anyway, I was sitting there and I just, I, I felt a drip, like, what's going on? So I looked up and here now there's water leaking in the camper that we're staying in. And so it's raining outside and it's sloppy and wet and now it's raining inside on me. And so I put a cup there, try to stop this, this wetness coming in. And I was just wishing I was here instead of camping in the rain. But, um, I was glad for the camper that we could have rather than a tent. There were some people around that were, that were tenting, and uh, I was not envious of that. Um, <clears throat> but as I think a little bit this morning about tenting, how many of us enjoy tenting? Getting a tent, setting it up. I remember setting um, an, old, an old tent that we had uh, a while ago. You'd, you'd put stakes together, and you would force the, the uh, stakes together, and then you'd put them through the loops in the tent and try to get this thing up and you'd hammer stakes in the ground and uh, you just, yeah. It, and you, at the end there would be some pieces left over and just, it, I just, I'm not one to go tenting. I'm, I envy those people who can do that. Uh, wake up in the, in the morning and your back is, is hurting because it, it's uh, so uncomfortable and you feel all the rocks and everything you're laying on. Everything is damp and, and wet around. I don't do tents very well, but I do envy those that, you, that can. Um, this morning, you can turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to start there, Genesis chapter 12, and look at somebody who lived in a tent. It's a story about Abraham. So we're going to um, start here in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was a traveler. <clears throat> he was a stranger and a pilgrim, you might say. 
Genesis chapter 12, just the first four verses there. I'm not going to read, take the time to read all this, but just briefly go through uh, the journey of Abraham. God said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God's telling Abraham to go. Get out of the country and, and go unto a, a new land, a new place, a new city. And then if we see it in verse, we look down there a little further, verse uh, 7 and 8. Yeah, seven, seven and eight. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Verse 9 says, And Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. So we, he moved on. We see he removed... Um, and went unto Bethel. And then, after that, he journeyed further, going south. And then verses, thir um, is it in the end of that there? Anyway, verses, uh, chapter 13, we look at the first, first um, verses there. Oh, behind, the end of chapter 12 there, it says he went to Egypt. There was a famine in the land, and he went down to Egypt, and he continued on. And then chapter 13, and, Mo and Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai. And so now he went back to the place that he was in the beginning. And... <clears throat> And there again he called on the name of the Lord. <clears throat> and then in the next uh, verses 14 through 18, and then there it talks about, uh, we, know, we know the story of Abraham and Lot, how Lot chose the best of the land. And in 14, and the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that thou seest, that I will give it to thee. And so there he moved again and removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So we see the life of Abraham. He was constantly moving. He was journeying on. When God would call him to go to a place, he would pack his bags, he would pack his tent, and he would move. And, you know, he lived his life, a lot of his life, I believe, in a tent. And, you know, you think of the children of Israel, through the wilderness, they, they dwelt in tents. A million people living in tents. And I just I can't imagine um, that, that scene. But you talk about strangers and pilgrims um, on the earth. And it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, he went to a strange land. Wherever, uh, wherever God called him to go, he went. And I think of uh, our missionaries that go when God calls. Philip, Indiana, are leaving tomorrow. God called them, and they're going by faith. And I'm not sure if they're going to feel like a stranger in the new land. I'm guessing they probably will. But God will be with us when we go by faith and when he calls us and we go. And I just want to... Uh, actually, let's, let's turn um, in our Bibles now to the text in Hebrews chapter 11. 
<clears throat> use this as a, as a text this morning. And I'm going to read over that at this time, verses 8 through 16. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac, tabernacles or tents, that the other word there, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. <clears throat> and so we look at these verses here and we see, <clears throat> I just want to point out, highlight there verse 10. It says, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I think Abraham realized that this life, it, where he was living in this earth was temporary. And <clears throat> he, uh, he lived, I believe Abraham lived with a, an eternal perspective. He understood that the tent that he was living in was temporary. He was a sojourner. He traveled. When God asked him to go, he went. And you look at a pilgrim. A pilgrim can do that easily. You know, it, uh, going by faith and realizing that where we're at is, so, is just temporary. Looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Uh, Pilgrim, the Webster's Dictionary of a pil uh, reference of a pilgrim is one who journeys in foreign lands, a wayfaring traveler, one who is passing through, a traveler who is passing through. And the Greek word for pilgrim is parapedemus. Um, th that would be a reference to a resident stranger, a resident stranger. Um, I believe somebody who is living here but is not at home. And, the, and, a, and stranger, the, the reference, uh, the definition I found for stranger was one who does not belong to or is kept from the activities of a group. So that's an interesting definition there. One who does not belong to but is kept from the activities of a group. Is that uh, for us this morning? Does that feel like us this morning? The Greek word for stranger is xenos, and that is the same word that is used in Matthew, back in Matthew when it says, I was a stranger and you took me not in. It's the same, same uh, word that was used for that. So someone who is maybe not welcome, maybe an unwelcome visitor, maybe someone who people look at a little strangely, 
they, they uh, see a person and wonder, who is that? You know, it, it's, um, maybe give them a hairy eyeball. Like, who's, who's, who's this stranger? <clears throat> and uh, there's other places in the Bible that is used for strangers and pilgrims. 1 Peter chapter 2.11, uh, Peter writes, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. He wanted his readers to uh, be recognized as strangers and pilgrims, First Peter. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So are you thrilled this morning that we have each other? We have a church. We have each other to be fellow citizens for a heavenly city and no more strangers and pilgrims within. We are, we are fellow citizens with the saints. And we are looking for a better home, as we sang, a city of light this morning, we sang the song. And I think that's what Abraham here envisioned as well as he traveled on this earth. Governor William Bradford of Plymouth Plantation used this very text here in Hebrews in describing the pilgrims as they came over from England. They came over from the rule of the King of England and they wanted to escape the tyranny of England. And they were as strangers and pilgrims as they went out to seek a better country and, and, and to a place where they could worship freely uh, from the rule of the king and they could live in a free country. That was 1620. Approximately, I guess that's what is said the year of 1620 when the pilgrims came over. And since then, till today, the nation that we live in has experienced hardships. There was wars and there was invasions by um, other nations, not so friendly people. And there was pestilences, there was plagues, all kinds of uh, things that um, the nation has experienced since then. And that was in, 16, in 1620. And as a whole, the, uh, we have experienced freedoms. We have um, freedoms in this country that we are so thankful for and don't want to take for granted. And so we fast forward from 1620, it's 400 years, pretty much right on, 400 years till today. And today, w what do we see? I mean, we see um, chaos, you could say. We see uh, there's anger and there's rage and riots and uh, there's panic and it seems to be like there's an attack on freedoms that we have never seen before. I mean, um, every day in the news you hear of things happening. There's uh, churches are being closed and songs are singing in churches in certain places are not allowed and they weren't allowed for a while anyway. And, um, you know, we think this is, this is the United States where we live. This is a free country. Um, but we're living in unprecedented times today. And I'm sure maybe you're probably getting tired of hearing that, that we're living in unprecedented times. Um, but, you know, some, sometimes we might just want everything to go back to normal. We, we just, we get tired of hearing everything that's going on. And all we want is, is for things to go back to normal. And we want to be able to read the news and just read happy and pleasant things in the news and not have to be um, discouraged in what we hear. 
but every day, you know, it's, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And, you know, you can't, you can't take things, um, you can't trust anything anymore in the news. You, you just, you got to do your homework and, and figure it out. Is this really true? And just a lot of the things that we are experiencing today, um, just the, all the mass mandates and everything. And, you know, I, I, just this morning I was, as I was sitting there, my son was sitting there beside me and he was playing with his little toy and singing. He was singing and he was just playing and not a care in the world. He was, he was happy. And I was just, you know, just as I'm thinking about that, you know, what, like, our children, the, our young children growing up in this world, it's, it's scary sometimes. They have nothing to worry about at this point, but they're growing up and we, we have a concern for them. But um, I think of the verse that God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, Jesus Christ, he is with us. He is there for us when we need him. And so are we living in the last days? I do believe we are. We are living in the last days. And um, is this time that we're going in, this COVID time that we're experiencing, is that the end? I don't, I mean, I don't believe, I don't know when the end is, but people question, you know, a lot of the time, you know, you hear it, you hear it a lot. Is this the end? Is this the end of time? Um, you know, in Matthew it says, this, when the sun stops shining, then you know the end is near. The sun comes up every day. You know, we have, we have uh, the promise of the seasons, the changing of times. Um, but I do believe that Jesus will come at any moment. There is nothing that needs to happen yet before his rapture of the church. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he will appear, just like that. <clears throat> and I do believe that we as God's people will be raptured before the God's wrath is spewed out on this earth. Um, and, you know, we hear of some of the things in Revelation that are frightening, of all the things that are going to happen, a third of the earth being wiped, the population dying, and the mountains being broken apart. And so I just, I, I see what's happening today and the fear of something as minor as what we're going through now, which I'm not minimizing that, but to see that happening. I don't think the world is prepared for what's going to happen in the end times. But for us today, um, I believe that God is there. God is there for us. We do not need to worry about the future. And um, God will carry us through. And with that being said, as I think about this morning, the message this morning, what is what do I want us to take home? What is the crux of the message this morning that, like, that, I, like, that I would like us to uh, take home? Is we live here, we work here, we are called to be here. God has called us to be here for a reason and a purpose. He has placed us right here. But we are strangers here. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. And we are desiring, desiring a better country. As the patriarchs of old here in Hebrews chapter 11, as they desired a better country, that is, I hope, our prayer this morning. <clears throat> and so I need to be reminded of that. I'm sure you do as well, that 
this is temporary. I mean, we can become so attached to the things of this world. And it, uh, we need to be reminded that we, this, is, this is temporary. <clears throat> and so, do we believe the promises that God has promised? If we look there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know, do we believe the promises of a better homecoming? If we do, I believe that should keep our focus on, on heaven. We should be focused on our eternal home. And I had to think of Millie. You know, if, if she was here this morning, she would probably tell us that, you know, time on this earth went so fast. And she is not here. She is in heaven with Jesus. But um, as we look at some of the ones that have went on before us and the, the journey that they took on this life, in this life, and... Um, we know time on this life, on this earth, is short. But as we look at the heroes of faith, they died in faith, not having received the promises. You know, Jesus promised to Abraham a great nation, that he would be, that a great nation would stem um, from him. And just, just to, to think of the, the coming Messiah, you know, they were not there to see uh, the Savior coming, to see the Savior come to this earth. But they knew, they knew, they embraced it, and they knew it, and they, they died not having received the promises. But they knew. And so do we believe the promises that God has promised of, of a, a better home? And are we looking forward to that? <clears throat> And so I'm not going to read, take the time here to read the last couple section of verses here, but um, it talks about those that, are, um, that were tortured, those that um, were mocked and scourged, and, and they were stoned, sawn asunder, just, just uh, all kinds of things that happened to those. And, and uh, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise of God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So... <clears throat> More and more, I feel like a stranger and a pilgrim in this world. And I, I think um, that we should not feel like we fit in. Because if we do fit in, then we're not really a stranger. And I don't, I've done a lot of thinking about this here in the past few months. And I don't know. I've, I've, it seems to me like the, the uh, Anabaptists and the um, Mennonites, including myself, have become more interested in the political spectrum in the past few months, I think, than ever before because of, you know, what's, what's going on, the news at our fingertips, everything we hear, and it just, it grabs our attention. We're bombarded with everything. And, you know, as when we see how close the country that we're living in, how close we are to, or the country is, to embracing socialism 
and the road that that would take, it's, it's frightening. And as we think about that, and uh, you know, I've been thinking about a, lot about a lot about this recently, and maybe I'm bringing this here this morning because it's something that I can relate to, but you know, I believe, or I can guarantee that more conversations have been about what's at stake in the next election than ever before, just with everything that's happening um, recently. And, you know, as we think about that, you know, we, we talk about it and, and uh, we discuss it and uh, there's nothing wrong with discussion. Um, but I think when it drives us, when it gets to the, the, the point of, uh, of controlling us that, you know, and it's not my case, but I know there's people that you, you can't, they can't sleep at night because of fear of what's going to happen in the future and, and how these, these events are going to take place. And I think what we need to remember is, the, is um, where did we come from? Where is Jesus Christ taking us? What is our calling? Are we called to fix all the problems in this world? Or are we called to take a, take a stand for Jesus Christ? And... <clears throat> As a stranger and a pilgrim in this world, where, where do we stand? Um, it gives us something to think about. If we're, if we're following the news and, and it's frustrating us and it's bringing frustration, because it has me if, if we're, you know, in the, in the past some, and, and we're thinking, how can this be? You know, I want to just get back to normal life. And I don't want things to go downhill. I want to be able to raise my family in peace and prosperity. And... <clears throat> You know, we, we've, had, we've had it good for so long. We've had, had many freedoms for so long. Are we strangers and pilgrims on this earth? You know, maybe God is asking for revival and with allowing things to happen to bring people to him is another thing I've been thinking about. But, you know, if I spend my time and my energy focusing on and trying to change the world at a political level, I'm going to miss the call that God has placed in my life to be a stranger, to be a, a, a pilgrim, to be a follower of him, and to crucify the flesh, to be a cross-bearer, <clears throat> which I think is missing in so much of mainstream um, evangelical Christianity today, to bear the cross. <clears throat> and, and I've been thinking, too, how can we you know, bear, bear the cross and be non-resistant and at the same time support any politician? who would stand up and fight. <clears throat> and I know this is a touchy subject to be talking about. I, I know that. I feel we should discuss it. Where do we stand as Christians, as Anabaptists, as followers of Jesus Christ in this world? <clears throat> so do we feel as aliens in this land? Our, our allegiance and our lordship needs to remain, needs to be to Jesus Christ and him alone, and not of this world. And I think we need to pray. As Christians, our duty is to pray, 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 and um, pray for our leaders, our nation, and that God would have mercy on the land. And I, I know God can change the hearts of leaders. He has in the past. And so we, this morning, we will continue serving Jesus. Um, and as long as we're serving and following him, it will be okay. And uh, a thought I had um, that when I stand before God someday, which we all will, nothing else is going to matter at that moment. Nothing else will matter. But whether I personally stayed faithful to Christ, that's the only thing that will matter.
I uh, want to close, in closing here, turn to John chapter 17. So you can turn there a while. <clears throat> this is called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. John chapter 17 is the longest prayer that was, that was ever recorded by Jesus. And so I don't know that I'm going to take the time to read over the whole prayer this morning for the sake of time, but um, I, I think if we ever get fearful of the events in this world today, we should read over this prayer. <clears throat> and I, I think of... of uh, Jesus, you think of his love and compassion that he had for, for his disciples and for the future believers. Um, us today, as we think of strangers, I, I believe Jesus was a stranger. He felt like a stranger on this earth. Um, Jesus, they did not accept him in his hometown. They, they uh, constantly were trying to, to trap him. Um, not everybody, but for the most of the Pharisees anyway, were trying to constantly trap him into saying something that he, they could trap him. And they were, they were, uh, they eventually beat him. They falsely tried him as a sham trial, and they eventually killed him. But before he died, this was his prayer. And it was a prayer of intercession for his disciples, for believers as well, for believers throughout the ages, the ages. And um, the cross before him, this was the occasion for uh, the prayer. That, that he was about ready to go to the cross. He was hours away from going to the cross. And this was his prayer. And I just would like to say, too, the, the next chapter in, verse, in chapter 18, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron. Now that is, uh, there's interesting symbolism there for the brook Cedron. That was, the Cedron Valley was a big valley, like a, like a uh, yeah, a valley with a creek going through it. And the, the, the temple was situated on the top side of this, this big valley, up on the top, kind of on the side of, the, of this valley. And <clears throat> it was estimated that a quarter of a million lambs every season were killed uh, in the temple. Every season, a quarter of a million lambs. And so <clears throat> you can only imagine where all the blood from the lambs flowed, the blood and the, and the water from washing down all the blood and all that washed right down in the valley and into the Cedron, the Cedron Creek. And that, the, the brook became known as Black Brook or Gloomy Brook. Didn't, didn't paint a real good picture if you think about it. And I was just imagining Jesus' thoughts as he was crossing through this Cedron Valley and up to where he went to the garden. And just, just as he was thinking about, you know, as he was going to give his life, the symbolism that it, that it was of all those dying lambs and, and the blood that was shed as he was traveling through across that, that valley, as he was, the symbolism that it was of, you know, he was about to be sacrificed, to give his life as those lambs died for the sins of man, he was going to shed his life, um, to give his life as a sacrifice. And you can just see the compassion and sympathy in his voice here. The first uh, few verses, Jesus talks about um, praise for himself. He, he asks to be glorified, that God would be glorified. If you see um, in there, that he asks that God would be glorified. 
and he ultimately gives God the glory. And I could spend lots more time there, but I'm not going to for the sake of time. The uh, Jesus prays for his disciples is verses 6 through 19. And, you know, Jesus knew that their faith on this earth would be tested and would be tried. And, and uh, they all were. They all were actually, they were all martyrs. My understanding is they were all martyrs except for John. And so he prays for them. He knew what they would face throughout their lives. <clears throat> and it's interesting here in verse, in verse 9 that it says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Hours before Jesus went to the cross, he was not praying for the salvation of the world. He was praying for his followers. And that is, that is interesting you know, he, he was praying for the steadfast faith of his followers and, and, and for us today as well. You know, Jesus Christ needs us. He needed his disciples, the beginning of the church. He needed their steadfast faith all the way up to thousands of years later till today. He needs us for, um, he needs our steadfast faith so we can be there to spread the truth, the, the good news of who he was. And... <clears throat> And then he goes on in verse 14. He says, I have given thy, them thy word, and the world hath hated them. So already the world is hating them. You know, wasn't many years after he called them, the world was already hating them. Uh, why? Because they are not of the world. And, you know, we see the, what happens is the righteousness of Jesus' followers condemns the wickedness in the world. And that is why you see so many of the problems in, in today, because of the evil hearts of man. <clears throat> and he just prays that his followers would have courage and strength to fight. And so I, I know that each one of us were on his mind while he was on the cross. He was already praying for each one of his followers. And then the last um, section there, verses 20 through 26, is, is special to each one of us. Jesus is praying for future believers. <clears throat> and this is his prayer for us. This, is, this was his heart's cry hours before he died. Death was breathing, was breathing down on his back, and this was, and this was his prayer. Um, do we identify as strangers and pilgrims on this earth? Um, but we see here a call for unity and I'm not going to take the time again to read that, but Jesus is calling for unity and love. Unity and love is what I see here that Jesus' call is, his prayer is for. And I, I feel it's, it's, so, it's so important in a church, in anywhere, in business, anywhere. We need unity. Jesus, it's, it's so necessary. And... I believe a unified church will be a best witness for Jesus. You know, the people can see that when there's unity, that the truth of the gospel works. It, it, it works. And when there's, when there's unity there. And then in verse 21, he says, and that 
that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And I see that is mentioned through, I think it was like four different times throughout this year, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, that God has sent Jesus Christ, that the world may believe. Uh, you know, he wanted people to know God. He wanted people to know the riches of God and, and his glory. <clears throat> I don't know what the glory of, of God, of Jesus, looks like. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever be able to see that personal or face-to-face, -face, but until he calls us home. But he closes this here with, with love, love being manifested. And as I <clears throat> think of love, is love being shown in our lives, love and unity. And so I want to leave us with the thought this morning that let's love as Jesus did. I mean, this was his prayer before he died. He, he was asking for unity and love. And we don't know what we're going to face in this world. We, we, we don't know, but we need to keep trusting in, in Christ, keep pressing on and take one day at a time, take one day at a time. And I know that Jesus Christ will carry us through and we have nothing to worry. So let's um, continue to be pilgrims and strangers in this, this world in which we live. Let's all stand for a word of prayer and then after that um, you can lead us in a song and you consider yourselves dismissed. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we come before you this morning thanking you for... Um, the freedoms that we enjoy, that we can worship you uh, without fear of man. Lord, as we look at the future, we don't know what the future holds, but Lord, we know that we can confidently place our trust in you. And Lord, we thank you for unity. We thank you for unity in the body and what, the, what a blessing that is and that you taught us love, to love each other. Lord, help us to portray that, to um, the unloving, those that um, we don't feel loving to at times, Lord, just help us to be able to portray that agape love that you taught us to live. And so, God, just be with us today as we go throughout the day. Just be with us this week that we would portray your truth to the world around us. In your name I pray. Amen.